0: Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio.
1: And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you along with Keith Thompson. Keith, back when you wrote the book uh, Angels and Aliens, the San Francisco Chronicle reviewed it, and they loved it.
0: Yeah, they they said that um, it was uh, the most uh, fascinating book ever written on the subject, and that's everything an author would love to hear about their book. Another reviewer called it the most profound book, and you know, I've, I'm, I'm you know, I'm I'm, not, I'm biased, but I I've, in the process of preparing for this show and uh, the Pentagon report, I, I went back and read my book, and I thought, gee, who wrote this? This is a very interesting. It's thing.
1: pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> and, and the, materi-
0: the material stands up, and I think it's largely because I made the larger. Uh, one thing I believe—I uh, don't—I think the UFO field often makes a mistake by trying to pick one case and and resting everything on how that case turns out. For example, Roswell, right? I mean, Roswell's a fascinating case. Don't get me wrong, but it stands—if you know, ufology stands or falls on that case, it could fall. Frankly, it could fall. So I'm a believer in the broad patterns. What what are the patterns that emerge across a, a wide number of cases? And so that's why I think. Um, not to pat myself on the back, but I think my book probably stands up because I covered not only 40, 50 years of ufology, but really hundreds of years of sightings of anomalous phenomena.
1: If you were to update your book today, Keith, how would you do it?
0: Well, I tell you, I would... It, that uh, Another question to, to get at the same uh, material there would be, every now and then someone says, even though I don't believe a single case can... Uh, uh, should should be the, the measure of the entire UFO phenomenon. Every now and then, someone says, "Keith, tell me. I don't have time to study like you do. What is? Give me the. Granted, the patterns, larger patterns are what matter. Give me the one case. Well, the one case I would uh, deal with, and it's one I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, and it was after my book went to press, the 2004 Zimbabwe sighting." By 60 school children uh, yes, during right. the broad daylight of a saucer-like craft that landed in full view, and a, a humanoid figure came out. I mean, it was an it was an immediate sensation. The kids went in and told the teachers. The teachers came and saw it. John Mack flew to Zimbabwe. He got them to take interviews in, in this is a mass sighting. This is close to the White House lawn. Oh
1: my God! Most
0: yeah. Americans have not ever heard of the case because it was shut out of the national media.
1: And what a story! I mean, those kids weren't lying. They saw something. They,
0: they weren't lying. I mean, they drew pictures in real time. Uh, they got telepath. These kids maybe didn't even use the words telepathy, but they got. They said, I, I got the feeling that they were saying something." Uh, to me, and, and it, again, it was uh, mo- all the kids interviewed independently said there's something like, I think they're here because our planet's in trouble. That's not something that uh, an ordinary child comes up with.
1: No, you don't uh,
0: casually. Exactly.
1: You had an opportunity to meet with the Dalai Lama when your book came out, and he wanted to talk with you about it, and you said, No, what happened?
0: Well, you know, that's a. That's a uh, uh, it wasn't just me um, uh, he wanted to talk to, but I had finished the book, and I have to tell you, George, as you can probably imagine, there's a there's a there's a sense in which when you immerse yourself in the subject uh, like this and and, uh, and finally get the book done, I kind of said I'm done with this subject for a while. So uh, that said, I, there was a there was a delegation that was uh, the Dalai Lama had expressed interest in. Uh, learning about this phenomenon, and I was invited to join a small group including Dr. John Mack to fly to Dharamsala, India, and I was at a point where I thought, you know, I don't, the nature of my book is not to explain the phenomenon, but it's to discuss how the impact of the debate about the phenomenon shapes our sense of who we are. Anyway, it was a very respectful decline uh, to get on a plane to fly to India at that time of my life, out of my own pocket, by the way. I was invited to pay That's for the trip. pretty hefty change I, there. I just don't necessarily want to do that. You know, now, if he were in New York, I, I, it sounds terribly arrogant. If the Dalai Lama were to come closer to me, I would... Agree. You'd go, or Ohio, your old home yeah, state. No, I was in California at the time. But, yeah, I just thought, you know, I don't have the interest. And, you know, I've never had any regrets. I understand the meeting went well and he was wonderfully whimsical and insightful about it, but I don't feel that I missed a lifetime opportunity.
1: Whereabouts in Ohio were you raised?
0: I was raised in a town in the northwest called Lima, Ohio, spelled like the Lima bean.
1: Know it well, that's
0: true. Yeah, and a combination of uh, rural and industrial, and um, the longer I hang around this planet, the, the more pleased I am. I did grow up in the Midwest. I I think there's something grounding about it. And even though at some point I said, I want to go to the West and go West, young man. I want to get away from all this flatness. In retrospect, there's really nothing wrong with being raised in a flat area where uh, a lot of common sense values hold. Because, you know, if you're going to study phenomena like UFOs, it it pays to have your feet on the ground. And I do think I, I approached it from a place of not breathless excitation or being carried away. But really, I said, "Look, I'm going to approach this from an evidence standpoint. I'll talk to abductees. I'll talk to contactees. I'm approaching it the same way Darwin did when he was looking at fossil uh, samples. You know, this is. I, I do think that we're looking at uh, this phenomenon. Points to." uh poss- possibilities for our future evolution and that's perhaps the subject of, uh, of another book I'm going to do.
1: I have always thought when we talk biblically speaking that the and I'm a believer in angels, I'm a believer in uh, divine intelligence and everything else. But when people talked about fallen angels, angels coming down, I kept thinking they were extraterrestrials because they had no concept of what they were, so they made them godly and heavenly. What do you think of that?
0: I think, that, I think there's something to that. We, we are uh, destined to see things through our, our frame, our lens. Uh, one analogy I often use is uh, look at the, uh, the elementary optical cortex of a frog, a frog that lives in a pond, has a very small uh, few optical receivers, uh, enough to see uh, gray, black, uh, indistinct movements. But see, that's all a frog needs because he needs to be able to stick his tongue out and catch uh... flies so he doesn't need to be able to perceive picasso well by analogy human beings get along with a very limited kind of perception most of the time we can get to work and get home and get to the gym and get to the baseball game with our kids but uh, i believe what these experiences point to whether ufo's or religious visions we're already part of a larger world george and we have breakthroughs in which our vision gets larger And so I think one of our challenges is how do we develop our human nature so that we can expand to meet this larger, multidimensional world that we actually find ourselves in?
1: And the field of ufology seems to have changed a lot, Keith. I mean, back in the 40s and 50s and 60s, we would get reports of landings, burned scorches, tripod tripod marks, things like that. We don't get that anymore. How come?
0: Ah, uh, you know, it's, 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 it, it is interesting. It's almost like the phenomenon uh, continues to take a measure of us. It follows the uh, sort of like the, the drafts of the breeze in the human psyche. Uh, this is just being metaphoric, but I think there's something to it. I think it's an intelligence. There's no doubt about it. This is an intelligence. It is a non-human intelligence, and it is in some relationship to our intelligence. And so there's a signaling back and forth, and I think that was beautifully presented, of course, in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, yes. where the French scientist moving with the hand motions and the five sounds do 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 do. But specifically as to what you're asking, um, burn marks are new at one point. Uh, uh, the Close Encounters of the you know what's happened is the Close Encounters of the first, second, third, fourth in that whole progression of the close encounters from burn marks to broken branches of trees, we find the phenomenon coming closer and closer to us. I mean, what are the abductions? No matter what level they're taking place on, these abductions are an up-close interaction with a phenomenon. Very close. Of course, it's poo-pooed by the, the debunkers, and I believe they're one of the most interesting parts of the whole phenomenon. They can't... Uh, Keep their minds open to the possibility of something beyond their frame of reference
1: and a friend of mine was a reporter uh, Back in st. Louis and in the 70s. They assigned him to go to Ellsbury, Missouri to cover a Series of UFO reports and he tells me when he got there He saw two things that just boggled his mind Keith one he saw a group of cows walking in a circle in unison, making a circle as they walked, and they wouldn't go in the middle. And he said, that was weird. And he said, then I looked at a tree, and it had scorch marks all over it, but burned into the tree were thousands of dead flies. They were just melted into the tree bark on something that obviously was a flame. And uh, they the, again. He got there because there were reports of UFO activity from people who lived in the area. That's and and I hear that firsthand from a friend of mine.
0: Well, and it's one way the phenomenon works. It's it's a major function, which is at one level, the phenomenon appears in ways that you could you could call absurd. They are ludicrous at face value. By the way, you hear. Uh, 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 experts like the late Carl, S- you know, the late Carl Sagan, as you know, a notorious skeptic and scoffer, not a real skeptic.
1: Well, believed they were out there, but just didn't believe they came here.
0: That's right. And he was a debunker. Therefore, he liked the idea that well, if we turned our radios through Project SETI, we'll, we'll find them that way. But the idea that they're coming, he—it was something he dismissed. And he had an interesting—he let comment, he let slip something. I almost thought maybe he was unknowingly on truth serum. Because he said, at the end of the day, you'd think they would check, they would make a point to get in touch with the experts, you know, the astronomers. And I thought, well, Carl, you sound a little jealous that maybe they chose Betty and Barney Hill driving home mm-hmm. that night in New Hampshire. They didn't choose you or Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, get over yourself.
1: <laughs> I know that he he was quite a guy though. When he wrote the book Contact, you can't beat that, huh?
0: No, and I have to say, he did a marvelous body of work. I actually, I, I can't prove this, but I think he um, had a, I think he was, there is some evidence he was more open to the UFO stuff than um, he let on. But in any case, he, he represented a kind of easy dismissal of the surface level stories with the absurd, well, for example, the abductions. At, at, at one level, they sound absurd. Why would they be interested in the reproductive systems of human beings? And so they dismissed them. It didn't happen. Go away. Mm-hmm. And yet these images sink deeper and deeper into the collective mind, and that's where the UFO phenomenon is, alive and kicking.
1: I always used to think that they needed uh, human breeding abilities for their own planet, or they were going to take over ours, and they needed all these little hybrids
0: running around. Well, the hybrids are, are interesting. I, know, I can tell you that John Mack eventually... Modified his thinking about that. He said there is an inconvenient problem. We don't ever see the babies, and don't have phys- we don't really have hard proof. But there's something. I think there's a middle ground here. There is a phenomenon that very actively is inducing in us the belief that a hybrid experiment is going on. And what is the hybrid a good metaphor for? It's a metaphor for. Uh, a growing resonance, um, a boundary crossing between our realm and their realm, mm-hmm. humankind and other kind. Whether it's literally with hybrid, hybrid babies, who knows? We may see hybrid babies if they exist. But in the meantime, it's a very powerful metaphor for the joining of these two realms. And that's what interests me.
1: And I have believed always that it's if they're visiting us, they're coming from other planetary systems within our universe. And a lot of people think they're dimensional, coming from other multiverses uh, or, you know, demonic. I I think they're coming from planets.
0: And and, and, uh, I think some are uh, very likely coming from planets. And I think what's interesting about the phrase, unidentified flying objects, UFOs, including the question, do you believe in UFOs? Well, officially, a UFO means something is unidentified. So I think what has happened is uh, different kinds of phenomena are probably mixed up in this together, that some UFOs are extraterrestrial and some are what some researchers call ultra-terrestrial or interdimensional. This is what Jacques Vallée has written so much about. I think they could be both. And therefore, we have a multitude of of species, almost like the Star Wars bar scene, Mm -hmm. a vast variety. I mean, some of the aliens do look like grays, and some of the aliens do look like grasshoppers. I mean, And and some look like us. Yeah, and some look like us. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.